Although edited for television, tonight's thriller contains scenes of suspense and violence which may be unsuitable for young viewers. Friendly discretion is advised. State of the art Japanese animation. Welcome to the Otaku Host Club podcast. I, of course, am always, I am always me. I am Amelia, and I am always joined by Jeff and Dan. Hey, That's fam. your cue. Okay, there we go. Hello. Hi. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I only have one thing on my mind right now. It is a chicken. It is a, a very it's handsome chicken. chicken. <laughs> There's a chicken that's moved into my backyard. Well, the backyard of my apartment building. I moved in on Tuesday and it's still there. So because I realize, yeah, I now understand that it's never going to leave. I built it a little house and I bring it food every morning. Okay, so get ready for the chicken saga, guys. 40 minutes before we get to the review. <laughs> chicken little. So this episode, we're going to be talking about Star Wars Visions. I think we watched trailers for this uh, a couple episodes back and it is finally yes. out. Um, but before all that... Uh, Dan, continue with your chicken saga. <laughs> well, What's it's not name? that much of a saga. Elijah? Well, no. Oh. Uh, Hannah refers to him Katsu? as Rupert. Oh, Rupert's good. Rupert. But I don't want to name the chicken. Uh, I, I, I want to. I want the chicken to vacate, mm. not because I don't like the chicken. I love the chicken. Oh. Uh-huh. And I want the chicken to be happy and be comfortable. That's so cute. But I don't want to take responsibility for the chicken. Like, I don't want any pets. Mm-hmm. I've, I just, in general, I don't want pets. Oh, really? Um, I was looking at a Pomeranian dog this week. I was like, hmm, North Pomeranians Carolina? Yeah, cute. Six-hour drive? It, yeah. Hmm. This is not uh, uh, like Rupert Murdoch, is it? No, this is the- Rupert who owns the record store up in Charles Village. <laughs> One of my regular customers from Starbucks. Y'all know him? Hmm. I don't think so. The guy that that owns um, Truvine. No, not Truvine. I forget what it's called. He has a very nice customer, though. Hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Um. I mean, record store yeah, people uh, are pretty nice. Just saying. People yeah. who sell records yeah. also are pretty nice. Just saying. Try to be. <laughs> um yeah the so you've just been watching your chicken man no anime no nothing no i've i've been watching anime but i i i'm just super preoccupied with the chicken it's been raining i'm i'm worried about the chicken that's why i built him a little structure but he doesn't seem to care for it but you know at least he's aware that it exists and i leave him food in the structure did you put hay in the structure i heard they like put a towel put a towel in there um, Security blanket. Yeah. So what anime I, I don't have you know been watching? This... Wait, I'm not. I want to talk. Oh, we're talking <laughs> about more. <laughs> about, let me finish about the chicken. 
Alright, I'm just saying I don't want any pets because I travel, uh, you know, presumably I, I travel a lot, I value freedom and flexibility in my daily life, and I don't want to take care of anything, I don't want to be responsible for anything, so I don't want to just adopt this chicken. But you but will adopt chickens when you move back to Baltimore in two or three years. It, well, that's it's more possible. Okay. Yeah. You'll get a dog, possible. maybe. Yeah, yeah, more possible at that time. Mm. But right now, I, I don't want any pets. But I, you know, the chicken, like, now it follows me around, you know, and <laughs> it looks at me, and <laughs> yeah, I just want the chicken to be happy. Aw. No. Rupert. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I don't want to call him Rupert. I'm, I'm I don't want to name him. the chicken. I keep telling Hannah that the chicken doesn't have a name because we're not keeping the chicken. It's not, you know, a member of our unit. It's just a temporary resident that will move on to greener pastures when we figure out what those greener pastures are going to be. I'm, I'm going to get an account on Nextdoor. I'm going to go and, and post about it. I'm going to go hand out flyers, like put flyers on people's doors around the neighborhood. Maybe like, like uh, did you lose a chicken. Yeah, like a, how flyers on a farm, maybe where chickens can come from. Yeah, but apparently it's legal to own chickens in Minneapolis. Oh. People at the gym were talking about this. So, I mean, it's, it's clearly a chicken that belongs to somebody that escaped and can't find its way home. And I, I, I'm hoping that somebody in the vicinity owns chickens and is like, oh, yeah, you know, our, our, we, our chicken vanished one day and, and now we can get, get them back. And, mm -hmm. you know, that would make me feel good. Um. But yeah, just uh, there's a chicken rescue in Minneapolis too. So if all else fails, oh, he can go I'm to call a, the chicken rescue. That's cute. Also, in case you guys are wondering what the chicken looks like, he has um, he's very dark brown and he has little yellow feet. He's black. Is he's he black? black? He looked yeah. Well, maybe the sun was glistening on his feathers. Yeah, in the video, the <laughs> sun glistens on him a little bit, but he's basically black. Mm. Yeah. Was he looks skinny. He looks really skinny to me. I was in New Hampshire and uh, ran into some chickens that were fluffy, like rabbits. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You couldn't even see their eyes. It's like big fluffy feathers over their eyes and like, little, like high tops. They're really cute. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. This is definitely not one of those kind of chickens. <laughs> this is this is a, a scrawny, stereotypical looking this chicken. This is an urban chicken, okay. Yeah. He's from urban the streets. chicken, maybe. Yeah, yeah he's maybe. not he's not wearing Gucci. He's part he of he clearly scene. likes our backyard because the other residents in this apartment building just leave their garbage everywhere. So this chicken just mm. pokes around in the garbage all day. And, um, it seems to do okay for itself, and I leave it some food and some water because I am worried that the garbage is not enough to sustain it. Um, I don't want it to be hungry or anything. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Anyway, an anime I've been I've, I've watched Shirobako. That's exciting. Yeah, did you finish yeah, it? Yeah, right? yeah, I finished the whole series and the movie. Oh wow, I haven't um, seen the movie. Oh, uh, the movie movie's quite good, and and I really enjoyed Shirobako. I I like that it's a realistic story. Like it's a it's a realist realist story, but it flirts with. Um, not surrealism, surrealism, but it flirts with like um, non-reality a little bit. Like the the car chases. Like every once in a while, it'll have a scene that is clearly not realistic, 
but rather than clashing with the rest of the show, it feels entertaining and joyful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it, it works very well in that way. And I, I enjoyed Shirabako quite a bit. I started watching it because I wanted something about workplaces because of my new job. Oh, why did you watch New um, Game? I meant to watch New Game, oh. but I got confused as to which one it was. No, I mean, like, so Shirabako is watching- really good. But that's why I texted you because I thought I thought that what we had watched was was Shirobako. Mm-hmm. And so I put it on and I was like, oh, this this isn't what we were watching together the other day. And that's when I texted you like, what was that anime? It's, oh, it was new game. Oh. Shirobako. But I, I was already like two episodes into Shirobako. So I was like, I'm, I'm just going to stay the course. You know, oh, my gosh. Us. Yeah. I, if I you really watch enjoyed Shirobako. Literally, let me know. I love new games so much. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch new games soon. The first, like, it, three episodes is literally just about the workplace. Oh, okay. Like, That's specifics, cool. like, about this so, girl starting off in a very brand new, like, dream yeah. job situation. It's kind of like, well, she, um, it's kind of like uh, not realistic to life because she's, like, um, fresh out of, I think she, I don't even know if she went to college. She's either fresh out of college or fresh out of high school and goes into working for this company that she's mm. idolized her entire life and played all of their games. Um, but it's really freaking cute. And they really like get into like office politics and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and Shirabako is the same way. Mm-hmm. It's very workplace oriented. <laughs> it's not about personal drama. It's about work drama mm-hmm. and, and, it has a lot of um, it's very a very detailed look at the anime industry and how anime is created, mm-hmm. and it, it did give me uh, a little bit of, of pause for thought and reflection on how monumental the task of creating anime is. Because when we think of live action um, um, media, you know you're you're capturing reality on camera, so things like sound effect and weather and lighting are already inherent in what's happening. You know, like you, you just have to manipulate and to your satisfaction and then capture it successfully. Mm. But a lot of the work of existing is already, or I guess I should say all the work of existing in the first place is already done for you. Mm-hmm. But with anime, you really are like, you start with literally nothing and every single thing has to be created from the sound of footsteps to, you know, what the weather is like, to you know every everything people breathing every single thing has to be created from scratch that that's crazy mm-hmm. and that's something i think we kind of take for granted when we watch this kind of stuff yeah and and especially like uh scheduling things and like i totally understand why studios have recap episodes why they accidentally skip a week yeah like, shirabako made that very very yeah clear. and it's yeah. kind of crazy and i don't want to sound like a broken record whenever we're like talking about anime that does that like wonder egg and uh, promise neverland and shit like that like i don't want to sound like a broken record but shirabako literally tells you why <laughs> like yeah. like i know why yeah. they do these things it's still just like frustrating in the moment but i don't want to keep saying oh well i already know why because shirabako taught me <laughs> you know yeah but yeah. yeah you really can't you kind of like gain a, a, a higher level of appreciation for creators like in, in also, anime and like in all content too because if you think about like just what it takes to make an animation like it probably takes that to make a drawing make a painting make a movie you know yeah. like things like that and speaking of creators that was another angle that i 
uh, thought about a lot as I was watching Shirobako was the way that the characters were grappling with what it means to be professionals in the creative industry, which is to say that, you know, when you love, you know, when you're, you're a creator or an artist or whatever, and you love this format, this media, you know, you have all these aspirations and visions of all the different things you can do and all the different ways you want to express yourself, all the, uh, the output that you want to create. And when you, become when that becomes your career you find really quickly that uh, the things you get paid for and the things that you want to do are not necessarily the same thing Mm -hmm. you know and you have to um yeah you have to find a a, i guess a path forward that um you know you kind of have to sacrifice your dream a little bit in order to Mm -hmm. find the the reality Mm -hmm. you know and, and and the show you know, they had a lot of examples of this, and and I thought a great one was the the young woman that was a three D artist that worked for a company that specialized in three D in in doing cars, mm-hmm. and all she did was she did cars, and she got paid a relatively handsome salary mm-hmm. with nice benefits and a good work life balance. But she was like, I don't like this because I don't want to spend all my time doing cars. Yeah. I want to do real stories, mm-hmm. and so she left this company real quickly, and it, it worked out for her in the show. But I I felt like. Dude, truly, this is, I mean, this is the meaning of doing this kind of thing on a professional level. Mm-hmm. You know, you like take what you can get. And I, I, that is something that I've grappled with a lot, a lot in my life when it comes to punk. And I have always erred on the side of doing it less professionally so that I can keep doing it in the way that I want, mm-hmm. exactly how I want, without compromise. Mm-hmm. And that is better for me to do it as a hobby, but do it in the way that fulfills me than it is to do it as a job and commit myself to it more, but have to, um, yeah, to sacrifice, have to, to compromise in the particular ways that I want to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, That, and you know, the people that she looked up to in the industry were people who have been doing it for 40 years, 40 plus years. Like they've already paid their dues. She's starting out entry level and she has a really cushy entry level job. And that's kind of like the, um, the conflict, like internal conflict you have when you're a creator and you want to do a certain thing a certain way, but the job that you get is entry level and you're doing something that you don't like because you feel like you're being stunted as a creator because you're not getting a chance to express how yeah. you, how you can, you know, show yourself off. Um, and, uh, you know, that's something that I feel like any artist grapples with, especially like in the equivalent of like, uh, like a fine artist, like a painter or something like, most of the time in New York to get a job, you need to work for an already established artist as their assistant. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you work on their stuff. You work on their art. You don't get to work on your art. <laughs> like, yeah. The biggest misconception about being an artist is that you just do whatever you want. Yeah. And, and be successful. They teach you more or less that in art school, but they're, you know, they're like, Oh yeah. I just like, the, it's more of the creative end, not the business end. Yeah, and just it's keep really doing it. it. Is. It's a business. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. I really feel like art art schools should have business co- courses so that you can learn how to sell yourself and how to be, you know, your own entity and like, you know, work in the field. Because like 
you know, the school that we went to, like, they really did have an accelerated program. Like, there are a lot of things that I learned in that school that I would not have learned anywhere else because the program was Mm. so accelerated. But it wasn't practical for when I got out of school and when I was trying to get a job. Because, like... Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I also did something that was like totally impractical. You know, if you go to school for illustration now when they have cameras, like nobody wants illustrations of things. They're just going to take a picture of it and put it in the textbook. But um, (laughs) but yeah, so. Yeah. And on a similar theme, I really valued I think Daisuke was his name. The um, the blonde guy that that was very cynical and bitter Mm. about anime because his dreams had kind of been shattered over and over by how um how vicious his workplaces had been Mm -hmm. and i i thought about that a lot too because i also you know kind of love and hate punk in the same way and i feel like you know they the show talks shirobako talks a lot about like finding your passion and why do you want to create anime and you know what is what is the meaning of of your artistic pursuit in this industry and i feel like if you really want to love something in a pure fashion you should not look behind the curtain to see how it's made <laughs> you know and i i think your relationship changes you know your relationship to anything changes the more involved you get you know and in this way, like I would never want to enter the anime industry because I want to maintain a a pure, um, you know, a, a very pure-hearted um, adoration, a pure-hearted love for anime. You know, I, I don't want it to be tainted because I've gone the opposite route with punk, where I like got so involved in every ass you know angle and facet of it and and saw all the different nuts and bolts and of how this stuff was made and now i'm so full of hypercritical opinions and so full of of just like constant misery and frustration and and cynicism about it even though i still love it but also i fucking hate it and i don't want anything to do with it simultaneously and yeah that could have i'm glad that i had all of those experiences but you know if i if if what i wanted out of my life was to just continue to continue to appreciate good punk records on the merits of being a good punk record and just let the art resonate with me i never should have gotten involved in releasing records and booking tours and and like i should have just kept collecting records and let that be been it and found other things to do with my time mm. you know the more the more you get sucked into the industry the more like every uh you you see just just all the, the all the negativity that happens behind the scenes and all your dreams and idealizations and and you know preconceptions are are just shattered and I, I think it's got to be like that for everything no matter what whether you're into any anything you're into I, I'm sure it's like that even if you're like into the Renaissance Festival or something I'm sure <laughs> once you like start volunteering for that shit and get involved <laughs> mm-hmm. after like four years you're like actually this fucking sucks this whole thing is a disaster the people behind the scenes have no idea what they're doing they're <laughs> oh crappy businessmen and people are just not like as as connected to the the Renaissance feeling and blah 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 and, I feel like I was I saying know. stuff like that about Oticon this year yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, you wouldn't be on staff, right? No, I would not be on staff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they exactly. all look miserable. <laughs> I do, and I'm I'm sure they are, but I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure like they have their own 
you know, unique love hate relationships to conventions yeah. where on the one hand they, they love it and their love is apparent in their dedication to it. Yeah. But I'm trying to think if to, like that, if I feel like that at AX, because that's the con, that's the con that I actually do volunteer for. But I don't think I ever have at AX. I think the magic at AX is just like, mwah. like you can't, you can't beat it. And then like right. when you get to see behind the curtain, you're like, oh, wow, you have glitter eyes, you know, you're just like, oh, this is how it's all done. This is crazy. Okay. I got, I got one, one last point on Shirobako. Then we can move on. I've been thinking, I, I think Shirobako has a lot to say about mm-hmm. it. Uh, Shirobako as pro anime industry propaganda. Does Shirobako display the anime in- industry in an extremely forgiving light based on what we know about the work conditions of animators in various industry people from their own words? Just a little bit. And, and, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty I, like the perfect situation. Like I know that a lot of things go wrong within all of their anime, but at the end of the day, they get it done and it looks good and it sells well. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the uh, the working the, conditions the that, aren't bad. They don't look they're not the, like yeah, that. Well, bad. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The things that go wrong for them are are things like hot, you know, top level miscommunications mm-hmm. or conflicts and um you know, somebody made a mistake somewhere. The things that they never show going wrong are like, you know, none of none of the animators Nobody sleeps in the office in Shirobako, mm-hmm. you know, and nobody is working 70 hour shifts or at least that's or 60 hour shifts or whatever. At least that's never apparent in Shirobako. That does no happen point. in New does Game. Any... Oh, well, OK. So maybe New Game <laughs> is a more realistic view of working in the industry. Still idealized. Shirobako. Well, yeah. what about Still a... Isaacin? Is the Isaacin more realistic? Isaacin for, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, well, they're not like yeah, in the industry, but yes like, no. but like that, exactly. that. I feel like that's exactly what you would do if you were in animation school. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Isoken is realistic in its own way, but it it it. Yeah, you're right that it's it's not an industry story. Mm. Um, and Shirobako for being an industry story, you know, about three quarters of the way through, I started to think. Is this actually like weird propaganda? Like, did somebody was somebody contracted to make this so that the anime industry could be like, see, look how happy and joyful our industry is. There's no like, this is a totally realistic, you know, expression and and no, example I think, of I how think they the were anime industry face. works. I think they're yeah, just saving so. face. <laughs> they're like, we're going to make an anime about making anime, but guess what, guys? We can't. We can't throw anyone under the bus. We got to make it the most perfect anime. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can't have people so coming back to us true. being like, "You're you're revealing too many secrets," you know? Because like, yeah. nobody maybe, knows how to license anime because they keep all the secrets hidden. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the the better way of thinking about it is the idea of saving face that they didn't want to throw anybody mm-hmm. under the bus by yeah displaying what we know are you know rampant industry problems that's very rooted in japanese culture and especially japanese work culture yeah okay so that that's kind of interesting i didn't think about the saving face angle of it but that's that's pretty fair mm-hmm. so maybe it maybe shirabako is not intentionally a propaganda piece mm-hmm. but it kind of unintentionally find find its way to that point. 
Interesting. Okay. Anyway, we, somebody else can talk about something <laughs> they watched. <laughs> so, um, I haven't been watching any of my seasonals because I really wanted to watch Danganronpa because I have I have wanted to play the game and I've played through the first trial of the first game um, and I was like okay I know what this is about I got this down okay let me let me move to the anime because I literally have no time to play games like at all if I if I if I could play all the games that I want to play like I would not watch anime I wouldn't even have I wouldn't even have like be able to go to work that's how many mm-hmm. games like I want to play but I just can't um so I was like you know what uh the anime is very con- very condensed version of Danganronpa so let me just watch the anime so um I finished I watched and finished it all in one weekend because it's just so good mm. it's basically a death game anime um these yeah. uh kids get uh transported into a uh they get invited to a school called hope's peak um uh and uh, the thing about the school is they cannot ever leave and um they have to uh exist in the school and murders happen no so this was a good video game adaptation. Yeah, I um I think it stuck pretty true to the character designs. Like obviously we're we're the the, the game is going to be better just because of graphics yeah. um and and the adaptation uh the situation of of you know adapting a video game to an anime. There's a little bit taken away from it. Um but I enjoyed it. I feel like it's a pretty linear storyline and mm. um the arcs, I feel like, are you get you get the best of all of the arcs. I don't. I only watched like mm. I only played the first arc, but from what I was reading online, you get a pretty condensed like kind of like summary of the first game because the first game I think it has a playthrough time of like twenty plus hours or something like that, and the anime is obviously like only thirteen episodes, so right. two hours versus like twenty plus hours. Obviously, you're not going to get everything, but I think for what it did it did it really well um and i really really love the um animation style of the um what do you call it when someone is found guilty and they get their punishment from monokuma um the animation style totally changes and it plays with a lot of different like visual motifs kind of like madoka Mm, and mm. it's really cool and i really love it (laughs) hell yeah yeah I was kind of surprised because um, I was like trying to pinpoint like why I didn't like the Madoka um, witch animations, but I do like the Danganronpa ones. I just really can't put my finger on it because they're like they have similar visual styles. They have similar like paper cut and like cut paper and um, black and white aesthetics and stuff. I don't know. Mm. It was really good. <laughs> mm. And then I watched Squid Game. <laughs> I've been on, it's I've, not an anime. It's not an anime. It's a Netflix be show. An anime. Dan, you need to watch this show. It's on Netflix. Yeah, I've, I've never even heard of it. Oh my god, it's like Kaiji, but uh, Netflix show in Korean. I'm not Japanese. Huh. But it's so good. Oh my god, Squid Game. I have. Um, I'm on the last episode, and uh, I'm gonna finish it tonight. But oh my gosh, so many things to say. It's a live action TV show. It is. Mm. Okay. It's nine episodes. 
It's on its way to being the most uh, watched Netflix series. Yeah, the day I decided really? to watch it, it was yeah. number one on Netflix in the U.S. Okay. And if you we follow did. me on Twitter, um, that's all I've been tweeting about. <laughs> the people, people are going like nuts over Squid Game, and they're like uh, doing like. If Squid Game were an anime, if Squid Game were an anime, but it was a Kamega kill, like if Squid Game was a 90s anime, and people are doing all these really fun, like, illustrations about Squid Game, and oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's probably one of, like, I feel like the the best uh, survival, like, uh, like, death game battle royale type of, like, show or movie that I've seen in a really long time. Um... I oh, think okay. the the development of all the characters put in this into the situation and how they tell the story is like I don't want to say like it good but like it good it's just like so good. <laughs> and you watched this too, Jeff? Oh yeah, I've, I've watched an episode of it. We we uh I think we started it the same day. Yeah, I was like I'm going to watch Squid Game, since, Jeff. You got to watch it. <laughs> since my partner has not been home, uh we have I've been holding out. Say that. Yeah. You know, oh, I don't okay. want to break. You want to, you know, end our relationship over uh, a TV show. You know, yeah. you got to wait for Wait, the where's partner. Kara? She's down in uh, Virginia Beach. Oh, that's cool. Fun. For the second week in a row. Yeah. <laughs> second week in a row. <laughs> oh, long, and long um, uh, I think that by the time the listeners hear this, it'll be Jeffrey's birthday. Oh, yeah. really? Yay! When, Happy birthday, birthday, Jeffrey! It is on the 5th. Yeah! Oh, shit. So two days. A little spooky oh, day. Yeah, wait, what are we doing for your birthday? Uh, you're moving back to Baltimore. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you bought me tickets to go see the Gundam in Japan. Yeah. The, the real-life Gundam. Nice. <laughs> said nice, you yeah. Don't, you don't know you paid for it yet. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing with my new job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's your bonus. Your bonus yeah. right there. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, dear Jibun. Happy birthday to me. Yeah. Uh, what have you been watching, watch, Jeff? I, yeah, so I, I've been continued watching Pirate Princess Fina. Okay. The uh, um, Pirates of the Caribbean girl version. show. <laughs> the girl <laughs> version. Yeah, what do you, what do you think it. about it? <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought a little bit deeper about it. I'm like, this is um, it's a solid show. I think I think it the animation is what kind of holds it all together in the production mm-hmm. of it. Story is kind of intriguing, to, you know. But I, yeah, I, I thought I thought the main character Fena would be more would have more agency, mm. and be more like a badass. But she's basically just there. You know, these two groups are fighting over her because she's a princess and mm. she's got some secret past with powers and who knows, right? Um, but I, you know, I, I I'm gonna keep watching it. It's uh, I think we're three episodes episodes left in the season and I, I know next hopefully next week we'll talk more about seasonal stuff um i'm also watching my i never gonna i'm gonna bring up another seasonal i just finished uh to your eternity oh okay. what'd you think of that 
I, I, I cried like a little it. baby. Oh, I cried yeah. like a little baby at the end. Oh my God, he got they got Jeffrey in tears. <laughs> yeah, a little uh, Fushi I'll man crying too. Fushi man <laughs> got him in tears. Yeah, Fushi. Yeah, I think it's a really good show. I I know you weren't crazy about it, Amelia, but mm-hmm. I think it. Mm, maybe it's the pacing that I don't like as well, but. I found it really engaging. Mm-hmm. I like the, what it says about humanity and, and just like finding your, um, not, not yourself, but like, mm, it's like a study on the human condition, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. So it, it looks oh God, and so seems sexy. like the kind of thing that I'm into. So I'm, I, it's high on my list of things to check out. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a different philosophical show that I, I know is on your radar, Jeff. I've been watching Phoenix. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I'm happy you're watching that. Yeah, I have. I watched all the OVAs. Wait, what's that? Phoenix Wright Attorney? Objection? No, not that. No. One. Okay. Phoenix is <laughs> a manga written by Tezuka, the same guy that did Blackjack and Dororo and Astro Boy, and it was supposed to be his masterpiece. It's his his giant. Uh, philosophical treatise on the nature of mankind and the human condition. And he worked on it in bits and spurts throughout his entire career and passed away before he finished it. And there have been several adaptations of different story arcs um, because it's, it's kind of episodic. Um, and the idea is that it um, kind of alternates between telling stories from the past and telling stories far in the future. And as the manga goes on, you know, these, these two timelines kind of coalesce to the modern day and presumably, you know, the manga was, was, is unfinished, but the assumption was that the final story would be happening in in the present day. And the, the, all these stories have different characters and kind of different themes and different uh, subject matter, but what they all have in common is the inclusion of the Phoenix as this um, godlike um, creature figure. You know, it's the giant Phoenix bird that um, is immortal and dies and is reborn, and it has the ability to grant immortality to um, human beings and within the story of Phoenix um, immortality is used as, as kind of like a, a karmic curse or karmic karmatic punishment. Uh, you know, characters are, are consistently like, um, you know, they, they interact with the Phoenix and the Phoenix tells them because you have sinned in this way, you know, you are doomed to a cycle of, of, death and rebirth for all eternity to atone for your sins, you know, and um, we, we consistently see within the stories of Phoenix that there are individuals in power, individuals with power that don't want to die or don't want to succumb to old age or any of these um, different, different things that happen to human beings. And they seek out the Phoenix to try to, find existential relief from fear of death. And uh, that turns into a different kind of existential pain for them. And yeah, so the Phoenix is very highly regarded as a manga. 
anime adaptations are relatively well thought of, but uh, I don't think, as I understand it, don't don't exactly capture what's so magical about the manga. Um, but as I watch all the Phoenix stories, I feel like I need somebody smarter than me to explain to me what the big deep message is supposed to be or what I'm really supposed to be getting out of this. Christella, uh, where are you? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I watch this stuff and it's, it's enjoyable, but I don't like get like what the message is or like what, what the takeaway of a lot of these stories are like it, it just seems like and maybe maybe it's too deeply rooted in like the Japanese worldview and mm. and Buddhist, you know, like a culture that I am not a part of. So the like worldview and attitudes are alien to me and don't resonate with me. Um, but yeah, I and I, I th- I'm not saying that Phoenix is bad or is like you know, to any one way or another. I'm just saying that uh, I am too stupid to get it. I need somebody to explain it to me sometime. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep watching and finish it up. It's on Crunchyroll, right? I am watching it on gogoanime.pe. Ooh, okay. illegal. <laughs> you know it's on Crunchyroll. I'm just kidding. I did not know that. <laughs> Ooh, you would pay for Crunchyroll. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do pay for Crunchyroll. <laughs> I pay for Crunchyroll so I can watch stuff on Google <laughs> without feeling bad. Uh, you want to get into the Star Wars review? <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know Star Wars at all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, so it, I've, I've been reflecting on, you know, how how big of a Star Wars fan am I? As yeah, I was how thinking big about, are you? Well, because I was thinking, like, normally when we talk about this stuff, we talk about, you know, how what's our background in, in the show we're talking about and how mm-hmm. we're approaching it. And I, I feel like... I feel like you're a pretty big Star Wars fan. Yeah, That's I feel like I'm I'm in like the 30, 30 to 40% quintile of of Star Wars fans. Like because there's certainly people that are way more into Star Wars than I am. Okay. But also, you know, and and you know, I've I've seen all the movies, you know, in theaters on DVD, you know, I I've read a lot of the extended um, universe books when I was younger. I read all the source books and guidebooks and all this kind of stuff when I was younger. Played all the video games when I was younger. 
and my relationship to Star Wars has become a little bit more distant in my adult life. That's because anime but, took over. Yeah, kind of. But yeah, I, I think of myself as being a pretty meaningful Star Wars fan, and and I know at least enough about it, you know. Um. Yeah, Star Wars still feels very near and dear to my heart. Very like emotionally powerful for me. Uh, How'd you feel when Disney acquired Star Wars? Not good. Yeah, that was a very uh, unliked decision. Yeah, <laughs> unhealthy <laughs> decision for a yeah. lot of fans. Well, you know, if they wanted to make more, like I. I suppose there must have been some level of industry that, you know, prevents them from doing this. But if they wanted to make more Star Wars movies, they they should have just taken stuff from the pre-existing extended universe and made movies out of it. Like, they could have made a Shadows of the Empire movie. They already made a video game out of it. Could have just made a movie that would be, like, relatively well-received and liked. And I think there would be a lot of genuine joy about... Um, a shadows shadows of the empire movie um and yeah extended universe has many you know like the thrawn trilogy the you know, rogue squad you know x-wing rogue squadron uh, series there's there's lots of stuff that they could make movies out of i i think one of the basic problems with disney acquiring this and, and creating new content is the fact that they feel and and this is something that that I think is was was predictable and yeah came to be realized in an unfortunate way that Disney felt like they needed to put their own stamp on Star Wars that you could see that like you know oh Star Wars used to be like this but now Star Wars is a Disney thing and now it's like that you know and I, I think there's such a marked change in the way that star Wars feels under Disney. And that's what I, I don't like about it. And this, this is not to say that Disney has had a, a 0% hit average or something like, I think Disney's had a couple of movies and supposedly some TV shows that I haven't watched, but um, yeah, like rogue squadron was really good. I thought the Han Solo movie was quite good. Um, the clone wars TV show is apparently amazing, but I haven't watched it. Uh, but the the trilogy, the the end, the main trilogy, is such a fucking disaster. I mean that that's like multiple podcasts worth of discussion to. to <laughs> Wait, uh, the older, the old that. movies, the ones that are the prequels. No, not oh. those, those are fine. Oh. I'm talking about um, the newest Disney ones. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm yeah. talking about seven, eight, and nine, okay. which are just absolute atrocities and completely miss the point of star Wars and from, in my opinion, they completely miss the entire point of star Wars. And, and they just tell a story that I didn't care about and didn't want to know. And they do a bad job of doing it. What do you think about anyway. star Wars? Jeff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think with a lot of people, it's sort of near and dear to your heart as a child. And you're like, as an adult, you go, you know, it becomes, you become like almost a purist. You're like, this is how I see it. And this is how I'll remember it. Yeah. And don't fuck with it. Cause yep. you know what I mean? Like it, it, it it's like, uh, you take it personally when, when it's, when it's fucked with, I guess. And 
George Lucas, you know, you, you can't, hmm. I think George Lucas is a genius and like, but I think he also sold out a bit. Uh, and I think, what would I do in that situation? I don't know. If it's about money, you know, money kind of corrupts people. So I think, I think they just need to start from scratch and just like Dan said, kind of use more source material, use things that already exist. Don't try to rewrite the playbook. Don't try to like rewrite history, if you will. And I think I'm trying to think of a good example with this with anime. Um, Gundam kind of is like that, but not really because there's so many hands in the picture. Um, like I'm trying to think of a long running show that people love, fans love. When I think of one, I'll, I'll come back a, to you. A, a long running show that fans love that was taken over by new creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sort of, yeah. And sort of uh, corrupted in a way. <laughs> oh, unpopular. Cor- maybe, maybe Naruto to Boruto. Oh, mm. kind of fully coolie. Yeah. Furikuri is yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah, Furikuri is probably a, a pretty good um, analog to that. Pretty good parallel. I'm, I really like Mandalorian, though. Ah, Mandalorian is great. Yeah, I think that's I think that's one thing that they've done that Disney has done that it's pretty good. And I, I, I like it. feels It feels closest to what the original Star Wars trilogy was like. I agree. What about you, Amelia? Um, I've only seen the first three movies, the old ones. Oh, those are the important ones anyway. Yeah, but I still don't get them. <laughs> I'm like, um, I'm, I'm very, what do, you, what do you not get? Everything. Anyway, <laughs> I'm very much a person that is like, do not ask questions during a movie. Like, shut the fuck up during a movie. Stop, stop talking. We are watching the movie. Mm-hmm. You will find out all of your answers if you watch the movie. But through Star Wars, um, I ask so many questions. I have so many questions about the universe and everything um, that I could I couldn't even get past the first three movies to watch the the other ones. <coughs> uh, My plot? huh? Was it plot or was it the like the lore and the, the building of the world? I think that I think it's the lore. Like I like I I really like the aesthetic. I like the mix of like um like the old technology with like new technology kind of thing that star Wars does. But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. The, the lore is too much for my brain to wrap my head around for uh, the longest well, time. I thought star Wars was only the Ewok adventures. That is what I thought star Wars. was. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's the only movie that I had was the Ewok right. adventures. And, um, cool. <laughs> so, to my surprise, as an adult, it was not just yeah. about Ewoks. Well, I've, I've got a kind of similar story um, growing up when I was a little kid. And I'm, I'm talking like kindergarten, first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch episode four, A New Hope, relentlessly. I'd watch it all the time. It was my favorite movie. Did you break the VHS and tape? No. I did that with a bunch of movies. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh, yeah. Too many times. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I did not. I did not break this one, um, but yeah, I watched it a lot, a lot, a lot. It was 
Star Wars A New Hope and the tra- original Transformers movie. Those were, were the two mm. for me, you know. And so I, I watched the Star Wars movie for years and, and years. And then one day when I was in fifth grade, and, you know, you got to think, like, this is before the internet and I'm mm-hmm. a little kid and, like, I don't, like, know what's going on. It's hard to, to garner information when you're a child, you know. So I'd watch this movie for, for multiple years. And then one day, out of nowhere, my we watched it, you know, as a family. And my parents were like, oh, yeah, that's so good. Do you want to watch the next one? And I was like, <laughs> there's more. The fuck you mean there's a next one? <laughs> what the why the fuck, fuck you didn't mean you the, ever the middle of yeah. the story? <laughs> so, yeah. Like, why did you like, we've been watching this movie for years and you never once thought to mention there were two more after it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus. Let me talk to your parents right now. I know. Well, so that's the thing. I I confronted my parents about this as an adult. My mom claims that that's not true. And my dad was like, didn't quite remember what Star Wars was anyway. And was, was, I had to explain to him, you know, kind of jog his memory as to what is Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are three movies. And I did used to watch this as a little kid. So he just doesn't remember. (laughs) I think there was. Uh, for me personally, they had they had them all like stream, not streaming. They all, they had them the trilogy playing on uh, broadcast TV in like mm. elementary school, and and this is right around the time that they redid the movies with new CG and they re-edited them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was huge, and they released the, them on, on on VHS, and they had them in theaters again. Um, so that's like that's kind of the time 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 period where I started to really love star wars oh, do you my. remember do you remember that yeah of course i, yeah, I saw yeah. i saw all the uh um the the not reissue but but the like new new editions of this stuff yeah. uh, in theaters at um the senator theater in baltimore on the like okay the big big screen yeah it was very cool yeah so besides Ewok Adventure, I had not experienced Star Wars until I was in college. Yeah, so uh, uh, Amelia, I feel like you know over over New Year's we'll have to sit down and just watch all the Star Wars movies together, and we okay. can pause, and I will explain everything to you as we go. Okay, and we can we can just have a dedicated <laughs> viewing that is like we don't got to worry about anybody else we'll just hit pause okay. whenever you got a question. And should we live stream this? Yes. It'll be an eight hour live stream. (laughs) If if I could predict the amount of time based on our podcasts. Yeah. (laughs) Facebook live stream. You know, I think it's because I don't, I don't understand when, um, when I don't want to say companies, but like when creators decide to adapt, uh, the middle of the story before they adapt the the beginning of the story and then they go backwards to tell the beginning of the story yeah. and then so, go forwards to tell the rest of the story like that and that i understand that like that's kind of how star wars had to be um but that that whole we're here and and this is the the technology that we have to make these movies and now we're here and this is like the beginning though yeah, and there's better technology I, to make these movies I, my brain can't come compute that yeah but i saw i i want to i want to uh focus in on on your keyword adapt because i think that's an important point in understanding how star wars came to be in the sense because star wars was not adapting anything 
you know, George Lucas created these three movies from scratch. And it's true that he created, you know, the middle, the middle of the story. Um, but it's not, it's not that he had a beginning of the story figured out, then a middle of the story figured mm-hmm. out, then an end of the story figured out. He just created this thing and just randomly decided he's going to place this in the middle so that he has, you know, leeway to work on either ends. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I think Star Wars could have, would have been an, an excellent trilogy without, you know, like, I don't think you need the prequels to understand or to, to appreciate correctly, um, the, the middle three, the original three, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that's a really important part of the Star Wars, Star Wars world building is the idea that there's so much more that you're not aware of. And there's so much more that is, is shrouded in mystery that mm-hmm. we just can't quite know. That's just a little bit beyond the scope. Star Wars always hints that there's more than, you know, that that there is like this whole world, this whole history, like there's there's so much, and we just see this this little tiny snapshot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we just see like the key points, but not all of the surrounding context. And, Ooh, and I think that's an important point of of like the, you know why we just get the middle. Yeah, and I think that's actually kind of telling um, that you say that uh, based on Star Wars Visions, this animation series. Because that's kind of exactly what they did. Yeah. I feel like very much uh, that there is so much more to each of the stories that they're telling that I don't know. And I'm getting just one little snapshot of it. Um, So I think in that sense, you know, they did a pretty good job. I did not think so. No. Well, it's important to point out, too, that this is not canon. Each each one of these episodes... It's not canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's it's important also to mention that this. Uh, if you don't have Disney Plus, you can't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> you can't watch it. Hey, yo, we got Disney Plus over here. We rolling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's nine episodes of uh, you know kind of like vignettes, short right? Films. And they're all yeah. mm-hmm. short films, it's thirty minutes to fifteen. Some are like ten minutes long. And. Um, yeah, there's different studios for each each film. I think Science Saru and Trigger each were the only two that had two f- shorts. Yeah, I uh, uh, I also really want to mention Geno Studios did the, uh, one of the episodes, which I think is really cool because um, I think they are kind of like an up and coming studio in the world mm. of newer anime and 3D and stuff like that. And I really, really, that was the episode that I think I enjoyed the most besides the trigger episodes, obviously like the first trigger episode. So yeah, what's overall impressions? Like, so Dan, what you- <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna unload this little tidbit. I'm not a fan of short stories in a series. I'm just, that's just like, I, you know, I'm not a fan of that way of storytelling. Junji Ito does it. Like there's a lot of creators that do it. Not to say that I didn't enjoy what I was watching, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I can't get invested. I'm like, it's going to be over soon. I'm, I'm what, what's happening now? Um, okay, right. Perfect. And then it's over. <laughs> but I want to comment on like, um, what I think it does well. And I think showing these different stories and these different, uh, characters that are, um, kind of beloved, uh, in different ways than you're used to seeing them. Um, I think each studio, 
you can tell i mean we watched the trailer like the the people that were working on these uh animations really wanted to be working on these animations and Mm -hmm. i think you can tell that from just the visual aspect alone of how each studio decided to uh take their story visually um i think for star wars fans it's something that you know, you'll you'll pick out certain like aspects of the story that you already know from your from the story's canon or like whatever, you know. And then for people who have who aren't into Star Wars like me, it wasn't that I couldn't enjoy it. I was just enjoying different aspects of it. Like when uh, in the um, the episode, the twins, um, when the boy took off his um, helmet or mask or whatever, and he revealed this luscious flowing trigger-esque character design i was like shit i'm here for this okay trigger let's go and then they went into like this battle and i just think trigger really pulled it off uh visually um but i will say i did not get any of the stories i could not tell you what any of them were about what do you think jeff overall um so I, I like shorts like these. Mm-hmm. I know what you I know what you mean by you can't get too invested, but that's kind of the point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really like at these these studios pushing or showing what they can do, mm-hmm. and and it's like a sort of a commercial or like you know advertisement for their art for their work. Kind of like Isaac. Um, yeah, and that's what I thought about. Mm-hmm. I thought a lot about mm-hmm. Isaac, and, and these are all passion. You know, projects of passion. Mm-hmm. For a lot of these people, a lot of these artists, um, and this is not a new thing. Like you have Neo Tokyo, uh, which is like '87, uh, oh, um, yeah, right. a bunch of shorts, mm-hmm. you know. And Jaden Smith's thing, yeah. Who? That's Neo Yokio. Oh, that's Neo Yokio. That's a newer thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Big Toblerone, Dan. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Neo Tokyo had it was a bunch of shorts, and they showcased uh, like Madhouse, and uh, they had uh, Katsuhiro Tomo do shorts um, in a very science fiction kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know Animatrix, uh, Memories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this kind of like follows that tradition. Mm-hmm. I think a couple um, of them it, visually also um, are really pulling from that um, that era of animation. Some of them, yeah. yeah, Some of them, yeah the one, sure. That one, it was, what was it? Uh, T, T-O-B-1, that episode, I feel like was very that-esque. Mm-hmm. Kaiba-esque, Kaiba-esque, you know? Kaiba. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed, so that's, that's the thing, it's like, you gotta love I hate. enjoyed and the animation a lot, and like, and I think... This, like you can't really elaborate too much on a deep story for a lot of these, mm-hmm. and I, I, I think what works well is that you can like pick your favorite and be like, all right, I'm gonna watch this maybe a couple times. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't like all the other ones, but maybe I'll rewatch rewatch these. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even if it doesn't follow canon Star Wars, I still enjoyed the idea of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what if? What if? You know, they did Batman. They did a lot of the Marvel and uh, uh, Marvel and um, DC characters with anime character, you know, anime studios. Mm-hmm. I mean, those kind of worked a little bit, mm. but you know, like it's the big question: like, do we need it? Mm. But mm-hmm. it's like you know, 
Why not, I guess? Do we need it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to me, the answer is no. We do not need this. (laughs) I didn't didn't like this. Uh, I can find no joy in things, so the non-canonical, canonicalness of it, like... I'd be, there were some episodes I begrudgingly thought were good, but in general, I don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset they didn't do any with Ewoks. <laughs> yeah, I, I where did are think my it Ewoks was, at? I, 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 I figured Disney must have given them some guideline on mm. what they were looking for because every episode dealt with Jedi and Kyber crystals. And they, oh, okay. they so really that laid is something off. I, I did not pick up on. Yeah, like every episode was about Jedi and Kyber crystals and the Sith. They couldn't, you know, they kind of alternated between, you know, whether the Sith were long extinct or the Jedi's were long extinct or uh, whether they were not, act- not, neither of them were long extinct or what. Um, but they were very focused on lightsabers, Kyber crystals. Jedi and Sith, they mm-hmm. Disney was very relaxed in lending out the Star Wars theme music because they had a lot of kind of classic melody um, in the mm-hmm. soundtrack of all this. And they, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if Disney told them or if everyone was just smart enough to pick up the tra- that the transition should always be the like um, soft sliding transitions rather than hard mm-hmm. cuts, uh, which is the Star Wars way of doing things. I don't know if you know, and that carried through in all the short. Um, and all the shorts, and I don't know if Disney, yeah, like told them, reminded them to do that, or if all these animation studios figured it out on their own. But there are a bunch of um, extras on the on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. um, and they kind of, from what I from what I get out of it, they're just like do whatever the fuck you want. But really? to your but to your point, Dan, it's like there's a lot of similar <laughs> elements in each of these. I can't imagine Disney's like do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they I, they gave. Him, they 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 talked to the um uh they had interviews with the head oh really Some of the heads of yeah and they they I mean but it's like okay well what don't they tell you right yeah. in the yeah. interview yeah, yeah. yeah and I I on the one hand I am willing to believe this but on the other hand it just seems like a bizarre coincidence that out of nine short films what seven of them deal with lightsabers and kyber crystals relating specifically to sith and jedi Mm. i mean that that wouldn't is that really like what everybody thinks of star wars or like if you had the the freedom to make any kind of star wars story that you like seven out of nine people are going to make that kind of story (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good point you know there's so there's so many angles they could approach these shorts and kyber they- like kyber crystal is such a weird like little star wars factoid to zoom in on the fact that it came up so many times when it comes up in the original movies like once you know like this is weird just weird to me did you enjoy the ninth jedi episode five like the manufacturing of the oh um no okay i like lapping that was the production oh, IG oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we should go through each of these individually, but production. I, yeah, that 
it was okay. Okay. Yeah. Dan so we really do, yeah, bobbed his head there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's briefly go through them then, right? Yeah. So the the first one was the oh, duel. This is one uh, I like the most. By Maybe Kamikaze older. Duga was was the animation. Duga. Yeah, this was the Kurosawa esque. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. I just really did not like the the 3D models with the with the scratches on top of it being animated differently than the 3D model. It was like it was it kind of reminded me of uh, the treatment that Yasuke got, where like mm. they're telling an old mm. like the setting is old. The setting looks like Edo, and is that right? I don't know. Anyway, it looks like old world whatever and then the animation is so new where i'm just like why did you choose to do it with new animation styles why not try and make the older animation styles shine in this one but you know obviously that is exactly what they wanted to do because it is their passion project i just personally did not like it you know? i agree you know? yeah I, I like the i like the homage to, to yojimbo mm-hmm. but i didn't i didn't like aesthetically as much as I wanted to. It was hard to see, like to see what was happening, who like the people were. Uh, I, I kind of, I begrudgingly liked this one. (coughs) When Mm -hmm. we watched, you know, this one's first off, I thought, well, maybe this will be okay. You know, (laughs) Um, there were things about it. The, the, there were several points that, did not make sense by the interior logic of Star Wars, but uh, in general, I, I thought it was it was okay, acceptable. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, what was the next one? Tatooine Rhapsody by that Studio was- Colorido. Please keep these people away from Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very Adult Swim, if I might say. It was absolute garbage. <laughs> This is like this is definitely the guy in the preview that was like, "We should do a Star Wars rock opera." No, (laughs) shut up. This is the Daft Punk Star Wars, you know, collab. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I enjoyed it middle, mid, very mid. I thought the song okay. I mean, at first I thought it was the pillows. I was like, oh, they got the pillows to do the song? Cool. No, he was singing (laughs) real bad to be (laughs) the pillow. I wonder what would happen there. I wonder. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the creators i don't think anything happened there because i and in so far as i'm sure the creators would look at this episode and feel like oh this was a great star wars rock opera but i i just think that conceptually this this is just just bad like jabba's not what like every everything about it <laughs> Well, when the first character the the bassist came like they i was like i was like is that is that jabba is that job of that? Mm, uh, it kind of looks like him, but uh, I have no yeah, idea anything about Star Wars. So <laughs> distant cousin. So Jabba. the huts, the huts <laughs> as a race are supposed to be gangsters. Like the oh. huts are are a species that um, culturally they're very deep in organized crime, and <laughs> that's why the bass player says that, like, oh, you know, Jabba wants me to join the the syndicate 
you know, the organized crime syndicate, but I don't want to, and I don't care that, you know, huts are supposed to be gangsters. I want to be a rock star, not a gangster. Um, what? Like, it was fuck is, like, I have a summary. Fuck? I have a summary. I hate it. Um, Star Wars, but make it pop punk. <laughs> yeah, that's that's doing a <laughs> disservice to pop punk. Man. Yeah, this is probably one of my least favorite ones okay. out of all the mm-hmm. nine. Yeah, definitely, definitely my least favorite. Hmm. This is if if uh, T Turtle did the. Uh, <laughs> character designs yo what's so <laughs> funny about that is i have no idea anything about star wars and all we do all day is print all these fandom shirts from star wars and i'm like who the fuck are these people and then like i'm watching these and i'm like oh <laughs> that who the fuck they are the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t-turtle is oh, a popular yeah. clothing company that we print for yeah yeah, and, and Boba Fett was in this one. What the I was, fuck did okay, they, so why did I they did do not, this to Boba Fett? Okay, so I need an explanation because Boba Fett, I don't know who he is. He looks like Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the so, fuck? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are so they two the different idea, things? Yes. So Are the they idea, two different people? Yes. Okay. So the idea... I'm like, who's so, this Mandalorian looking ass over here? So the Mandalorian is, if I remember correctly, is supposed to take place before all the Star Wars movies, okay. right? Okay, sure. Tell me, Dan. Tell me. And the am I am I right in that, Jeff? It's taking place. No, it's actually it's taking place after the rebellion. New baby Yoda, because new Yoda. You right? You'll see more if if when you watch the second season, you'll you'll um. They kind of tie that in, tie the tie the Mandalorian okay. in, because because the original the original idea of Boba Fett was that he Boba Fett was the last Mandalorian that all of the Mandalorians were killed except for Boba Fett. Okay, so mm. Mandalorian is a race of people. Yes, Mandalorian is a race of people. Okay, perfect. And they all they all wear the traditional combat outfit and they okay. don't take off their helmets okay got it okay got it oh uh, it, sorry it's the the yeah i mean in the in the original three star wars the the concept and and maybe this has been changed with the mandalorian and, and disney and whatnot but the original idea was that boba fett was the last mandalorian the mandalorians were dead except boba fett he's the last one got it okay okay next one since we hated that one Hey, it's trash. Throw it out. Moving the on. Twins the Twins. Studio I really Trigger. like this one. I really like this one. Yeah, I... Although, very Trigger-esque by yeah, uh, chopping it, that whatever big-ass spaceship in half with one light, one baby lightsaber. Yeah, it, it made me laugh out loud because everything about it was so, <laughs> so trigger. obviously Trigger. Yeah. And so patently Trigger. I yeah. felt like this is a good trigger work it is not a good star wars work but mm-hmm. that's okay like if i were to approach this as just this is a studio trigger short film inspired by star wars then it like okay like this makes sense it's got nothing to do with star wars really it's like just shoehorning some aspects of star wars into mm-hmm. a studio trigger production mm-hmm. yeah it's like the be- i think they do the best job of subverting like what you think of star wars just like fuck mm-hmm. it, we're gonna throw all the rules out the you know, yeah. and just do what we want. And 
<coughs> Imaishi is responsible for that because he's, he's just blown, blown people's minds right yeah. now. I know. Yeah. Well, that, that that boy took his hat off, and I was like, who is this, <laughs> who is this uh, pro-mayor character? Why is the pro-mayor yeah, exactly. character doing in this uh, anime? <laughs> that, shit, that shit, that was when I laughed now, out loud in real life. I was yeah, like, I was like, know, like okay, Trigger. Okay, Trigger. <laughs> Yeah, every. Yeah, like, no, I, I just to elaborate on the action that just like the laughing out loud part of of uh, Luke. Oh, no, I'm not my guy. This is Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Kare, whatever his name is, Kare, when he's spin, he's fl- literally flying on the on the X wing and he yeah. does a flip and he, you know, he cuts the, de- the um, Star Destroyer in, in half. It's like. What the fuck? Yeah, insane. It's it's totally yeah. All the the animation style, the kinetic action sequences, big explosions, the like. I don't care about anything, you know. I just care about following my dream and fighting spirit. And it's like, yeah, this is so Studio Trigger. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why I was invested in that one. I was like, I don't know who the fuck is happening, but I like this one. I like I like it. I can go back and rewatch rewatch this one. Mm. Yeah, I I genuinely like this one, but but I, I liked it because I'm a, a Studio Trigger guy, and and their stories tend to resonate with me. I, mm. I didn't uh, I didn't enjoy it from a Star Wars perspective, or or, or it's not like I I uh, disliked it from a Star Wars perspective. It's more like I didn't even account for the idea that this is supposed to be related to Star Wars. I mm. just felt like oh, this is just some Studio Trigger shit. Yeah. It's a uh, college fan video fan <laughs> fan anime oh i would love to see a like college project of this of star wars mm-hmm. someone someone mm-hmm. fresh fresh animators all right on okay, to my next one. number four the village bride by kinema citrus kinema citrus Hmm. I feel very indifferent about this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say I don't care, but I didn't care about this. <laughs> the story, I was just like, you know, it's one. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get to the. I saw, I saw the thumbnails for everything, and I was like, okay, this looks, you know, whatever. Newer anime style, newer anime style, newer anime style, blah blah blah. And then I was like, I'm waiting to get to this other one because this, I think it, the little robot boy. <laughs> I really uh. wanted to see that one, so it was more like, I need to get through this one so I can watch a little robot boy. Yeah, I, I thought this one was okay. It. uh Yeah, it was it was just okay. Yeah, unremarkable maybe. Wow, guys, I think they need to do better. Unremarkable from Dan. One star on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> One star. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything really great to say. Not in great, but just anything poignant to point out. It's. Right? I, I, Poignant. Yeah, I feel like the uh, color. I like the color palette was nice and kind of minimalistic design. Mm-hmm. But I liked the villain. Villain's cool. But I also felt like the villain in this one looked like another villain in another one too. 
I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be because he's like a specific villain or not. <laughs> Coincidence. Hmm. Okay. He looked very Voldemort, and I was like, okay, I'm here for that. <laughs> okay, the next one was The Ninth Jedi by Production IG. <clears throat> and there were things about this that were good. Like, I, I felt like certain aspects of the um, kind of overall concept and story writing were good. You know, like the ending, yeah, the it, it it did feel appropriately like a swath, like a little swath of a larger story in a way that I, I thought was well executed. But there were other things about it that I just didn't like and that are so out of bound. Like there's only supposed to be two Sith at a time. I don't know why there's like nine Sith or eight seven Sith up in this place. And I don't know each, why they are eight Sith up in this Johns, but <laughs> yeah. And each, each Jedi is supposed to make their own lightsaber. That's the whole fucking point. And so I don't know why they all want somebody else's lightsaber. Like, I don't know, like the, everything about the, the lightsaber and Kyber crystal stuff was, was like, I don't even know lightsabers that, that change their length and based on your force attuneness, like that doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. Just everything, like it was too, like too, too far out of bounds, and I, I didn't like that. Mm. Maybe, um, would you say this was Star Wars, but make it Sword Art Online? No, because mm. when mm. I think okay. of what makes Sword Art <laughs> Online what it is, yeah, there, it's not like. Like Sword Art Online is what it is because of you know one overpowered character that is mysteriously a ladies man despite having no charisma, and uh, they're like stuck in a video game, and mm-hmm. I don't think this had any of those. But uh, double lightsaber. Did this one have a double lightsaber? Then isn't that what you just said? They were trying to get um, other people's lightsabers. Well, there's it was the the little um, artisan guy had made like you know eight or nine lightsabers or whatever, and was like, "Oh, b- go bring these to the Jedi up in the um, I don't know what that was the giant Kyber crystal space station that was floating around <laughs> this planet." It was Axis, Dan. Part of Axis. Uh, but, uh, you know, if they were real Jedi, I think they wouldn't take somebody else's lightsaber. You're supposed to make your own. Uh, that That's pretty well uh, grounded in the Star Wars universe. Hmm. I like the beginning of this one a lot. The, they, the tone of it was really done well. It's like it really brings you in, draws you in mm-hmm. to this to this like possible mission of of building you know getting these uh, important lightsabers to someone and then having that like droid drinking the tea i thought it was clever yeah it was like really tea is probably oil but yeah yeah i thought that was that was a good example of star wars humor 
Yeah, this one was directed by Kenji Kamiyama um, of Gits fame. Standalone complex. So I think really he high <clears throat> pedigree. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking this up on Wikipedia. Right if you're watching the video, Dan just made the best face ever. It was a very Dan face. Oh, this the guy, this guy. It. So uh, he's worked on Jinro, Pat Labor, Blood the Last Vampire. He directed <laughs> the you know Best Ghost in the Shell TV show. So actually, this guy's a pretty yeah, a pretty reputable guy. So. <laughs> Yeah, he just needs to brush up on his Star Wars a little bit. But. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, he's he's seems like he's enough of a professional that he probably like knows he's breaking the rules and feels like he's been given some leeway to do this. But um, you know, consistency is important. Interior logic is is important to making good story, in my opinion. So, is it? And, you know, I think about this. I'm like, this is 30 minutes long. This is probably the longest one, one of the longest. It's like, is that better or worse for the creators to have more time to tell a story or less time? Better, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to Legend of the Galactic Hero Boy over there, so <laughs> <laughs> longer the better for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, should we jump? Yeah, this is the cutest one. I love this one. This next one. T.O.B. One by Science Saru. Yeah. Um, the little toaster that could vibes. I didn't like this one. You don't like it? No. It's very Kaiba. Yeah, but droids don't have force affinity. Like, just from the get-go, I was like... So Why this, is this is where, if I was a Star Wars fan, I might not like it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, mean, I, I the the droid should have the you know the droid is is like oh I'm gonna be a Jedi and I'm like gonna find my Kyber crystal and you know become one with the Force or whatever. But it's like, dude, yeah, the Force exists through all living things. Like droids are not living; they're machines. Like this is this is pretty well. Um, you know, specified in the Star Wars universe. So, mm-hmm. like, this is not a story about AI liberation. This is, you know, like, the Force, <laughs> this, this little robot should not be involved in the Force when he does... This is a Pinocchio yeah, story. Yeah, Oh, Pinocchio, I didn't even think about that. Or Astro Boy. It's kind of like an Astro Boy yeah. type. That's, that's what I thought, just, yeah. But I, I didn't yeah. like it. And I, I spent about, you know, the first half of the episode being like, does that guy have no arms or is he just drawn kind of weirdly and his arms are like clasped behind his back at all times? And it took a while for me to realize that, no, in fact, he is drawn without any arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was uh, I really liked I really liked this as an experimental anime, an experimental animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just it's just it's probably the most unique out of all of them. It's because it's experimental, maybe mm-hmm. just because of the, on that on that on those grounds alone. Mm-hmm. And you know, they didn't even really use a whole lot of Star Wars sound effects. They were like really abstract sounds, like you wouldn't think that would match what was happening. Mm-hmm. 
You notice that? Because I don't think I recognize Star Wars sounds. <laughs> Besides lightsaber. Mm. You know, I recognize that sound. But maybe that's why I liked it. Because it wasn't doing Star Wars. Mm. Yeah, this is closely that resembles um, Azuken, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's got, it's got a very uh, Uasa sense of character design. Mm-hmm. And kind of like uh, set design as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Very fantastical, I felt like. What's also cool about Science Saru is the uh, fact that the creator is Korean, the one mm. of the co-founders. Oh, cool. And the, uh, the, um, the director on this one is of Spanish descent. So hmm. Spain? Kind of interesting. From Spain. From Spain? He's a Spaniard, rather. Nice. Mm-hmm. Spaniards represent. <laughs> so, Science Saru seems like they have a pretty good relationship with Masaki Yuasa. Yeah, there's a new, there's a Yuasa movie coming out. Oh, they best buds. That, that um, it was uh, just it just film um shown at the Venice Film Festival. Yeah, and so kids picked it up. I feel like I remember seeing something about that. So I'm I'm looking at this online and um. Science Saru is the animation studio behind Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin, Japan Sinks 2020, um, Ping Best Pong, the year. Uh, Ride Your Wave. I mean, they've they've done a lot of Yuasa work. So I, I, that this makes me feel like okay, like it's no coincidence that uh, their contribution here has this sort of aesthetic and, and this sort of um, vision. You know, that's what they do. So. Mm -hmm. It's a shame that it's not appropriate for Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, I, I forgot to point out about the last episode, that Dan, that you didn't like the fact that uh, you had your boy, the voice actor of um, Zoro in there. Mm. Kazuo Nikoi. Nakai, rather, mm. yeah, that was a, that was like the only one of the only reasons also why I liked that episode was because of, of that voice actor. Oh, well, I, I watched them all in English, actually. Yeah. So, oh, did you guys? Did yeah. you do both or just one? Just no, English. I did. <laughs> did you watch it in Japanese? Uh, no, I only watched it in English. I did a little bit of both. I jumped back and forth. Oh, okay. Not say play. <laughs> okay, I gotta watch this play. <laughs> <laughs> well, the closed captions on Disney Plus were obnoxiously big. Oh. Take up a large portion of the screen. Mm. But I was like, you know, I, I, I like the dub, but I, there was some, there's some, some of the episodes where I really just wanted to watch it in Japanese. Mm. Okay, The Elder. Yeah, so I, I got to say, I begrudgingly liked these last three. Really? So, the Elder by Studio Trigger, I thought was the best one by far. Really? Yeah. They were just talking. They were just walking and talking. 
Yeah, well, it's the only one that actually made sense within the scope of Star Wars, and oh, okay. was like a like to me, it was the most reasonable of all the short stories. It actually, felt like a fully. It didn't feel like it was a chunk of of anything. Any like the the production IG one felt like this was a a little slice of a much larger story, and this. The Elder by Studio Trigger felt like this was the story. It, it wasn't like a chunk of mm. anything larger. It was just a you know snapshot of the daily life of these two Jedi, you know, doing their Jedi thing and going about their business. That was something that that you know could feasibly happen within Star Wars canonically, but. It wouldn't really matter because there wouldn't be any like long lasting effects or anything, you know, just, just a little, just a little slice of daily life in the star Wars universe. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was actually pretty engrossing and, and interesting for that reason. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what a lot of you, yeah, I agree with what you just said. And a lot of that, it, I didn't like the character designs as much in this, uh, episode. But I agree. I think it felt like a Star Wars episode, like a real mm. Star Wars scene. Like if they if they just took it and made it a live action, yeah, it would have fe- yeah. it would have felt like canon almost. Yeah, I thought it was a little boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think I like Star Wars. <laughs> so the pace, well, it was a slow pace, mm-hmm. slow pace type of episode, but that is sort of Star. Characteristic of Star Wars, <laughs> in some ways, yeah. especially, some, especially Mandalorian, like sort of the um, mm. Western, yeah. Western feel. Mm. Yeah, and this this really made me feel like, man, Studio Trigger, like they can take something and turn it into a Studio Trigger product, or they, they can, can something else. yeah, stay true to the mm-hmm. the spirit of the letter, as it were, mm-hmm. um, or stay true to the letter of the law, or whatever the saying is, and. Um, yeah, made me appreciate the, the, the power and complexity of Studio Trigger. Mm. Best great animation studio. <laughs> what? I'm looking at... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're just so Dan and I love it. <laughs> Dan at his, at his best. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. You, I, I'm looking at the cast of of some of these episodes. There's some pretty big names. Yes. In, uh, did you did you notice that, Dan? Did you recognize any of that? I, I swear it was fucking Vash the Stampede every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was wondering if they had the same guy. Uh, I wondered if every episode had the same voice acting cast because I swear half the protagonists Dude. sounded like Vash the Stampede or or. Um, the the older Eldrick brother to me. They had um Joseph uh Joseph Gordon Levitt hmm. in one episode. What? Which one? Uh it was Jay. I forget I don't know what episode that is. Mm, but I, I, I got a huge list. Any name. <laughs> Neil Neil Patrick Harris. What? Wow. He was he was Kare. Who's who's that? And uh <laughs> the one? trigger first the first, the first trigger. Studio one. trigger. Oh, the um uh the boy I thought was from Promare. Yeah, that was Barney okay. from ba- Barney from How I Met Your Mother. Oh. 
Uh, Allison Brie was Am in that one. Um, <laughs> you're like, who the fuck is that? I know oh, and I, I forgot am, to point out, Masako uh, Nozawa was was Toby, the the famous for drag for for Goku in Dragon Ball. Mm. Was a little robot boy. Mm-hmm. Who was Lop? Who was Lop? That was my favorite character out of all of these. Lop. Yeah, so Lop and Ocho was the next episode by Gino Studio. I also mm-hmm. thought Lop and Ocho was excellent. Love. If I had to pick, if I had to pick two, one, if I had to pick one, I would pick Lop and Ocho. If I had to pick two, I would pick Lop and Ocho and T.O.B. one. Those are my top, top two for this. I was engaged the whole time. Oh my gosh, I was so invested in Lop. <laughs> Yeah, I thought Wap and Ocho was great because it didn't deal with Jedi for once. Mm. And it was just a good story that, you know, again, was sensible, was realistic in the inner interior logic of Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. this surely oh, was something that... Cool. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think this is the kind of story that is relatively untold within Star Wars. They kind of hint at these kinds of stories in the Han Solo movie, but they, they don't go full bore into it. Um, but you know, this is, this is a very real thing that like empire rolls up to your planet and, you know, how do you deal, you know, how do you cope with that? Do you rebel? Do you acquiesce? Do you, you know, make buddy, buddy, do you just fall in line? And I think that's, that's a pretty realistic, um, tension and, and conflict that has to be resolved. And I think Lapinocha does a great job of exploring, it was, it was, it reminded me a lot of. Princess Mononoke, because you have the dad that's very like, you know, traditionalism and wanting to protect the environment and wanting to protect the family and uh, kind of keep the status quo. And then you have the daughter um, that's very like pro industry, pro capitalism, Mm -hmm. like wants to buddy buddy with the empire to consolidate power, to you know, find economic progress to find technological development and to trade her planet's natural resources to get these this material wealth. And, you know, I don't think these are quite like these are not questions with black and white answers or with with easy answers in, in any way. And um, the the episode clearly wants you to believe in the dad and it clearly you know, takes the capitalist daughter as being the enemy and being bad, and and she loses loses sight of her family. She eventually tells Lop that they're not, you know, you're not in this family. You're not really my sister, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like a very ugly and, and emotional moment. Um, but in real life, you know, these are very complex and difficult problems to grapple with. And, uh, you know, I think it's great for Star Wars to to lean into those questions a little bit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Everything you said, same. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like the anime animation backgrounds in this the most. Mm. The, everything was hand painted, hand drawn. Ah, oh, the textures were unreal. Yeah, they added they added like this film grain too mm-hmm. that made it look like it was like actually 
photographed versus digitized, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. See, that's yeah. what I'm saying about the first one. The first one, they could have done something weird and cool like that that utilizes older technology that makes it look new and fresh that isn't just mm. putting a, a 3D model on something, you know? Mm. That's why Genio Studio, you to go! <laughs> I forget which other anime they they made that I really, really liked. Gino Studio. They look like a a brand new one. Yeah, Um, that's that's what I said. They're up and coming. Golden Golden Kamui. Looks like they're their big their biggest one. Oh. Is this the same studio? Okay. Yeah. I didn't watch I haven't watched Golden Kamui, but I hear it's really good. I watched the first season of it and fell off. Second season. Hmm. I think I'd be up your alley. Yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. There's only one left? There's only one left. Akakiri by Science Saru. I thought this one was quite good, too. And again, this felt like a real Star Wars story to me. And yeah, you know, I, I I liked the the kind of journey aspect of it, but what I really liked was the way the Jedi turns to the dark side to save his dead girlfriend at the end. The way he accidentally kills his girlfriend and then turns to the dark side in order to save her life, and I, I thought that was a great. Like that's the kind of shit that I want to see in in Star Wars short stories that are non canonical. You know, those are those are, those are like interesting angles to discuss Star Wars. Yeah, and I I thought this was the you know when I think of the last three were the ones I actually liked. I think this was my least favorite of the last three, but the ending the ending really pushed it over the top for me. Yeah. Mm. Another unique animation animation style, once again. Yeah. Um, a lot of use of red in this, and it got more and more red towards the end. Hmm. Yeah. This symbolized the dark side. Um, and this is also one that was a uh, direct influence from another Kurosawa movie, Hidden Fortress. Hmm. Like simple plot point for them traveling. Mm-hmm. Or like this, that framing, you know. Um. So, something that the Star Wars visions as a whole seems very fixated on that I am not convinced is actually true. But all the bad guys have red lightsabers, and all the good guys have green. Where's a blue lightsabers? They have like. One of one of these two, mm-hmm. but lightsabers can be any color. I don't know why they're so fixated on like all the Sith, and they have to be Sith. There's no way they could be anything except Sith. You know, must have red lightsabers, but that's not canonical, and I think that's really weird. I was watching some of these with Hannah, and Hannah was convinced that um, that your your the lightsabers can change color based on 
whether you're good or bad at, at any given moment or like what your emotion is. I'm like, that is not true, man. Like, I thought what, it was if you're you good or bad about? at the time you make your little lightsaber. Well, the, the color of the lightsaber is based on the kyber crystal that's inside. Of you or inside no, of the lightsaber? No, inside the lightsaber. Okay. And this is this is supposed to be like one of the great journeys, you know, as part of becoming a Jedi. You know, the same way that like, I don't know, if you're like a carpenter, to be truly become a carpenter, you have to build your own house, you know. I mean, that's not true, but like, it's a similar kind of thought process to like, if you're truly going to be a Jedi, you got to make your own lightsaber. You got to go harvest the kyber crystal and build your little lightsaber around it. And, you know, the color of your lightsaber depends on the kyber crystal that you harvest. So they're all different colors, you know. Mm-hmm. So, right, because when Luke loses his lightsaber, no matter who picks it up, it's going to be the same color, right? Yeah, he- yeah. Green, yeah, or right, okay. So yeah, that that didn't bother me so much. It's kind of like they're just reinventing the wheel a little bit. Mm, right over I like head. that. I like that concept. And then like, like a mood ring. <laughs> it's oh. like a mood ring. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting though. Hmm. I've I've uh, watched this YouTube video of someone like these tech guys kind of like, um, what was it popular discovery channel show, uh, where they MythBusters? and they get, it's like a YouTube version of MythBusters, and mm-hmm. they're trying to build a real lightsaber mm-hmm. and they eventually do it, but it's so powerful. Like they ha- it's, it's just too dangerous. They basically, they basically set the shop on fire. Oh shit. It's like plasma, um, beam. And they're like able to cut through like any material with it. Really? They it's people nuts. really made it? Yeah, well, close I guess as close as you could. You gotta drop I'll have to, that I'll link. Have to find it. You gotta drop that link in the chat. <laughs> yeah, I have to find it. That'll be our reaction video for yeah, the week. I'm really interested <laughs> in how things are made. Like how do how how do you make waffle fries? How? How does that happen? Uh you take a waffle and cut it up and fry it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh? I don't know. Yeah, I don't they know either. The actually, they have the. Do you put the potatoes in the waffle iron? No, because they have the cross hatch. It looks like you grate the you grate it and then you bread it or something because mm. it, it's a perfect cross hatch. You don't get that with like a waffle thing if you're smushing. Uh, mu- yeah, it's I was true. gonna say mushrooms, potatoes into <laughs> the waffle iron. You know how do you make waffle fries? That's the greatest question of the world of the universe. How to make waffle fries. Think about it. So the lightsaber is a 4,000 degree plasma proto lightsaber build. Okay. Cool. It's only got 1 million views. I'll send it to you. Yes. A real retractable plasma based lightsaber. The pinnacle of sci-fi tech. And probably one of the most sought after fictional technologies ever. As you know, we've been developing different lightsabers or like they're called in Star Wars lore, proto-sabers for the past four years now. From some initial power supply tests that got the fire department called on us, to version one using nitinol wire, to version two using a tungsten titanium blade hybrid, version 2.1 so we could have a real life lightsaber duel, which by the way was extremely unsafe, to finally our Kylo Ren style lightsaber complete with a 3D printed titanium hilt. If you were to take any of these concepts over nine episodes, which concept would you make out of a TV show? Like if you had like 12 episodes of a TV series, hmm. 
Which one would you take? Hmm. That's an interesting question to prose because a lot of it has to do for me with visual style. Hmm. Hmm. I would I would do one of the last two episodes. I would probably go with Lapanocho, honestly. Yeah. I would yeah. do that one. Damn. I think you could do 12 episodes. Is that episodes unanimous? Of- Jeffrey's, Jeffrey's waving I, his head like, yes. Yeah, okay. And it's a unanimous vote. Yeah, yeah Lapinocho. Totally you, could, you could do 12 episodes of Lapinocho and, and follow the... Like, if you... I want to see think, beginning to end of Lop story. Well, I see, I was I was going to say, I think you could take the the single Star Wars Visions episode of Lapinocho and successfully expand that to be a solid 12 episodes mm-hmm. of reasonable content to ju- and just like build it a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I think, I, I think the short film has it all there. Mm-hmm. You could just flesh it out in, in more interesting ways, have, you know, different, uh, you know, more, a more um, steady build, greater intensity of build to the big climax where they do battle like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I think you could do that with the last episode too. You know, you could have twelve episodes of, you know, the Jedi arrives and finds his ex girlfriend, and you have like an episode or two of flashback as they go and go through this Mandalorian esque journey, and then um, the big twist at the end is that he accidentally kills the girlfriend and becomes you know goes over to the dark side and it just ends on this real sour note i think that'd be pretty interesting too get george takei to play again play senshu again mm-hmm. give him a hug and a kiss he's so cute <laughs> so if Which- any every if anybody is is listening to this and has seen uh, Star Wars Visions. Um, I, we would love to know what your favorite episode is and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking, what, is, is this is this the impetus to make a TV show? Like, are they? Is you know, is this going to be a gateway for that? Mm. I don't think so. No. You think this is it? This is. Let's just stop here. I think and, that's what I'm going to guess. I, because I think if if the idea was to you know have everybody pitch their concepts for TV shows, uh, a some of these would have really missed the mark, and b yeah. I think there would be some sort of like they wouldn't it wouldn't be released in this manner. You know, I, I think there'd be some sort of like now we're gonna have everybody vote on their favorite episode and whoever you know. <laughs> gets the most votes gets our contract some some shit like that yeah maybe i don't know would y'all give it scores we doing scores yeah would you say go watch it uh just go watch it pick the look at the look at the thumbnails and pick the ones you want to (laughs) watch yeah i think that's how i would go about watching this i I guess i'd recommend the last three episodes but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't watch the other ones unless you're a big yeah. studio trigger fan that I'd watch their, their other episode. But. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us yeah, on this fun. once again. N- 
is Star Wars anime. <laughs> that was no. our journey today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I hope they don't make more Star Wars content like this. <laughs> They're like, no, please stop. Please yeah. stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, and I guess join us uh, next episode where we discuss the another short film, Ongaku. And we also talk about what we are looking forward to in this coming fall and winter season. Heck yeah. Halloween is coming. Oh, the spooky season. That's why I've been watching all the death game stuff. Mm. You know, got to get your spook on. Get your spook on. Get your spook on. I was on. literally like, I was literally like... <laughs> The first episode, I was like, <laughs> and then we're gonna um, do a solo casts for this review of uh, yeah, catch a catch a review of Squid Game on our OnlyFans coming soon. <laughs> Anything else? No. If you lost uh, a chicken in the Minneapolis area. <laughs> Please come get your chicken. His name is Rupert now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening and being here. We super appreciate every single one of you that listens to our podcast every week. Join our Discord to continue the conversation and get notified when we upload new episodes. Or if you just want to hang out and chat about anime. The invite link should be in the description of whatever platform you're listening to this on. As well as in our link tree of our Instagram at Otaku Host Club. Or on our website, www.otakuhostclub.com. We also have a voicemail box set up in case you want to call in, leave us a message, ask a question, talk about anime, let us know how your day is going, and we'll play it on the next episode. The number for that is 240-324-8295. And if you like our content, it would be super awesome if you went over to Apple Podcasts and left us a review. It's super helpful for us to get the word out. And if you do, we'll read it on air. And with that, we'll see you in the next episode.